It's time now for Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that shares stories from inspiring people, from a wide range of expert guests, all focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Gina Gardner is a multiple number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, business coach, and trainer. She's the founder of Genuinely You and has over 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine, authentic power, personally and professionally. Matthew. Huh? Oh, sorry. It's okay. I just need you to listen to me. I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me. I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over the years, including what you've told me about not using alcohol and other drugs, they stick with me. And believe it or not, they really do make a difference, especially at times that matter most. Hey, want a drink? No thanks, I'm good. So thank you, Dad, for talking and preparing me for what's ahead. Thanks, Mom, for never giving up and always being my biggest fan. Thank you for letting me know what you expect so I can try to meet your expectations. Thank you for talking. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. And now, here's your host, Gina Gardner. Hello there, and a huge welcome to this week's episode of Gina Gardner and Friends. My guest today, April Corbett, is, I think, a very special lady. She's a coach, a qualified neuro change practitioner who works with women, helping them to live their very best life. Welcome, April. Thank you very much for joining me in the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and speak with you today. Thank you. We're going to be talking about your beliefs become your reality. And this is so pertinent, not just for women, but for everybody. But before we get into that, perhaps you'd share a bit about your journey and how you came to be doing what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. Um, I had a really turbulent upbringing, as many of us did. Uh, I don't think anyone gets out of childhood unscathed by some type of trauma. I had lots of extended trauma over about 15 years. I left home very, very young with no education. So as you can imagine, I had a very low idea of who I was. And I came to believe that I actually had a broken brain. I thought my brain was broken. That's really what I thought for many, many years until I really had some events that happened in my life that changed the trajectory and how I looked at my life. So in 1988, I I was 22 and I became pregnant and decided that I would give that baby up for adoption, which was all well and good. But after I did that, I realized, wait a minute, why don't I want to grow up and have babies like everybody else? It really was a perplexing question to me. And that really led me down this path of self-exploration, which then led me to what the heck is wrong with me and why do I keep trying different things and ending up in the same place? So I did that for many, many years until I really started to dig into some education and learn about the brain and and the, you know, how how belief runs our life, but not the beliefs up here. It's the beliefs underneath that we're not aware of and not paying attention to. So um 
that's how I got here to help women was because once I got through my first sort of big piece, which was the coaching piece, I realized that I've actually been coaching people most of my life. Even though I had been in business for years, I had been coaching women for years and trying to convince them that, you know, there was another side to them that they just weren't aware of. So that's what led me into the coaching. And now I do programs and coaching and, and all kinds of ways and working with women. Thanks for that. I think it's interesting when we look at beliefs, how for the most part, we are unconscious about the beliefs that are actually driving our lives. You know, we talk about beliefs becoming our reality. They are for many people, the only reality that they have. They're often installed, aren't they, when people are very young. And most people don't question them at all. They are what they are. And there's a sense that actually they're they're cast in stone. That's yeah. that's how life is. So yeah. when did you realize that your beliefs about yourself were something that had been conditioned into you rather than having to be the only reality? Yeah, I yeah, and I have a very vivid experience of this when I I realized something I was doing. And one of the things that I was doing, because I left home with a grade eight education and I was in general studies, which was kind of the dumb kids class in those days. And I really had this belief that I was stupid because I had been told I was stupid for years and years. So what I wanted to do was I kept thinking, well, I'm never going to be able to learn anything if I keep telling myself I'm stupid. It was just an awareness yep. that, that started to grow. And it took me probably two years to stop telling myself I was stupid. And the trick is, is that you can't go from um, I'm stupid to I'm brilliant. And all of a sudden you're going to believe it. That's not how our brains work. Our brains need to be congruent in their ideas. So our brains only know what we tell them, but flipping the switch doesn't work. It's a prog- uh, a progress that you do over time. So when I figured out, oh, I don't have to believe that, that's when I started to, my awareness started to lift. And when my awareness started to lift, I realized that I'm telling myself some things that were actually keeping those beliefs in place. And they don't just um, come in childhood. They actually, there's a lot of science to say that they're actually in vitro. So there is a lot of, um, so oftentimes we'll be carrying beliefs that maybe were our mothers or our grandmothers, and that's passed down through the DNA. It's fascinating science. And what's cool about that is it's all changeable. So that's when it really started to change for me when I realized if I wanted to graduate high school, which I did at age 50, by the way, (laughs) I went back to school and I didn't want to do my GED. I wanted to. But when I wanted to do that, I was like, well, I can't continue to call myself stupid and expect to learn anything. So I knew I had to change that one belief. And once I changed that one, I was like, I can change anything. You know, so. I think it's absolutely fascinating on a number of levels that we, uh, and the, the fact that beliefs are installed generationally is something that I believe uh, wholeheartedly. But I'm reminded of when I was a, a principal of a school and I would hear parents say um, to a teacher or to myself, 
uh, with their child standing next door. Oh, they're just like me. I was no good at maths. And I'd say to the parent, you know, that may be true of you. And I suspect that was more about the teaching than it was about you. But you are already closing the door and locking it in terms of your child having a belief that maths is something that they can do. How about having the belief is, well, I might not be very good at it at the moment, but I need a bit of help to find the right key to open that particular lock. And then it's down to us as teachers to find a way that works for you. The thing being that if children believe they can't, and this is true of adults too, if they believe they can't, they often don't even start trying because what's the point? I'm going to fail anyway. Whereas if you're open to the possibility, well, okay, I might not have found the right way yet, but I can do it, then Mm -hmm. that becomes your reality. And congratulations to you. It's no mean feat, is it? You could have taken the easy way out and just done the uh, the test and not gone through the process. But Mm -hmm. I, I really hand it to you that you decided to take yourself through that. And that evidence... Um, acts as the basis for the change. One of the things that strikes me, and I want your opinion on this, is how many people, there's plenty of evidence to the contrary to their belief, and yet that gets dismissed. Mm -hmm. That is, yes. And one of the things, the first thing that I teach when we're working with beliefs is awareness. And this is really paying attention, not to what, also to what you believe and what you're telling yourself, because it always starts with language, whether it's internal or external. Those are the words we're using. And oftentimes other people don't see it. One of my superpowers is reading between the lines. As soon as someone starts talking, I know exactly what they're telling themselves internally. Oftentimes I'm dead on, not always, but often. And so the first step is to really grow awareness you've got to pay attention to what you're telling yourself. So one of the exercises that I always get my clients to do is one week of writing down internal dialogue, which I have to say, I I like to move fast. And I know that process can be painful for people, but, but pain is also a choice. You can look at it like, wow, that was a really painful exercise. Or again, use your language to go, wow, that exercise is really going to benefit me. I'm glad I did that. You know, so it's all about changing your language and how you view the world because what you believe subconsciously drives everything you do. What you're aware of consciously is all built on your filter. And that comes from your language. So there's two sides to it. And it's fascinating to me how quickly or how slowly or how much someone will will struggle with this, you know? So when people are really open to the idea, the first thing you have to convince people is that you can do it, which is why I tell my story. Because I should have been, and I've said this millions of times, I should have been a drug addict, a prostitute, something. Like my life should have gone down a different path given where I came from. So, you know, statistically, And even I look at my family, statistically, I should have been some sort of addict at the very least. And yet I pushed myself out of that 
by deciding, by choosing that I was someone different. We've got to go to a short break now, but when we come back, I want to explore with you this whole issue around how we choose our beliefs and how we look for evidence to support those beliefs, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, And by looking at the patterns of our language, of our behaviors, of um, of our thinking, that we can make significant changes. So please don't go away. There's so much here that can be of help to you and your loved ones. Meet Rajat. He started his class as WhatsApp group and became super popular. Yeah, I was always popular. Huh? Timetable changes. Celebrating class cancellations. Rehearsal updates. Sharing notes. Farewells. Crying over surprise tests. Everything happens on the group. Rajat may be the admin, but he's never really had to act like one. Except today. Are you really sure that this is true? No, man. It was a forward, so I know. Rajat patiently explained that such messages could create tension and turn people against each other. I mean, it's dangerous. Please don't do this again, yeah. Or else I'll have to remove you from the group. Come, let's go get some dosa. And then Come. it was time for the college fest, yeah. Be like Rajat. Share joy, not rumors. Hello there. My name's Gina Gardner, and I'm the host of Gina Gardner and Friends. I know you're all incredibly busy, and I know that there's so many calls upon your purse or your wallet at the moment, but I'm here to ask for your help. Help for a charity called Mom Plus Me that are supporting children, many of whom are orphans and disabled, and families that have been dispossessed by the war in Ukraine, which has now been going on for a year. They need your help desperately. There's no electricity, and so things are incredibly difficult. So please help by making a donation to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash mom plus me. That's justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash mom, M-O-M plus P-L-U-S me, M-E. Thanks very much. You can make such a difference. Welcome back. I and my guest, April Corbett, are talking about beliefs. And one of the things that strikes me is when I'm working with clients, I look for patterns. They're, they're really powerful in terms of allowing you to know what's going on beyond what people describe. And I talk, and people who've listened to this show before will know that I often talk about becoming the journalist of your own life. But doing that without judgment, without the stories, without I should have, I shouldn't, and all of those things. And once people start to look at the patterns, they can then make a decision whether these are empowering ones or not. Keep the empowering ones and get rid of the ones that are of no value. When you been through this metamorphosis yourself and you help other people go through the same. Are there common patterns of belief that you see uh, frequently? Um, And if so, what are they? And what are the antidotes for that sort of thinking? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. 
And when I think about patterns of beliefs, it's more patterns of behavior first. So I see patterns in behavior first. I mean, I just did uh, the other day a a little program that I did that is 14 of the most common limiting beliefs, and most people carry them. So yes, there are common ones, but it's actually the common behavior that I see. And like you said, why do some people notice and some people don't? Some people push it away when there is evidence. So oftentimes people, the antidote, so to speak, is not to listen to yourself. Go to someone that loves you. Talk to your best friend and ask them those questions. Open up and allow yourself to be vulnerable and say, you know, I find myself often telling myself I'm stupid. What would you say in reaction to hearing me say that? And often you're going to get that evidence and you need to write it down. And once you've written it down, I mean, the the process of changing your beliefs is going to be more lengthy than just hearing, oh, yeah, that's right. I don't believe that. It doesn't work that way. There is a process. But now, and this is what I tell my clients and my students, is that now I can hear a belief and switch it in seconds. Mm -hmm. I can stop it in its tracks now. Whereas before, I, you know, I would dwell in it forever if I was even aware of it. One day, I've heard the good story of this actually too. I just realized that one day I was driving down the road. It was a beautiful Sunday and my favorite place in the world to be is driving in my car with the music and the sun. It is just, I don't know what it is about driving. I love to drive. So I'm driving my car and I'm driving up the road and the music's playing. I just washed my car and I'm in a really great mood. And all of a sudden a song came on the radio which was a key for something that triggered sadness. And all of a sudden I was like, wow, I feel really sad. I'm lonely. It's Sunday and I'm all by myself. And I started to go down that road. And then immediately I was like, wait a minute, that's a choice. Two seconds ago, you were having a great time. What changed? Nothing changed. So well, of course, the one thing that changes the story that you were making up in your head. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And but but there's little things that are going to tick that off. And music yeah. is a big one for people. If you have music from your past playing um, from a particular time in your life that might not have been a happy time, you may you know, be, I I really dislike the word triggered, but it's like a key that opens a door Mm -hmm. and to a memory, but it's not a physical memory. It's a body memory. It's a a visceral level, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. It's interesting that how often, and it's just as we're talking that it struck me, how often it is an auditory thing. People's tone of voice does it too. That's one of the reasons why people get triggered into having a, an argument they're not thinking consciously and that voice that that nag that whine takes them back to being a teenager or being uh, nagged by their parents when they were little and they start even to smells yeah smell is a huge one for me it's huge i notice it often i'm like oh that smell. But now I, of course it doesn't trigger me, but I still notice it. And that's important. You, you know, you never get to get rid of things. You just learn how to regulate yourself better. 
for a positive outcome. And that's what I was going to say is that you always have to, like you said, the evidence, you always have to have a trajectory, a goal, something you're working towards. I didn't set goals until I was in my 50s because I had a limiting belief that I would never accomplish anything I wanted or I would make these grandiose goals that just were not achievable in the amount of time I had given myself. Once I recognized I had that belief, then I could set goals. Now I can compare my thinking to my goal. Can I actually go and move forward towards that goal with this behavior or with this thought? And if the answer is no, you need to change it. And I am so sorry if you can hear that fire alarm. No idea why it's going off. (laughs) You know, there are so many people whose lives are governed by beliefs which keep them playing small, which keep them feeling that they are have no value. And it seems to me so sad that when by shifting and dealing with these, and as you say, managing those triggers when they come, that the quality of life, not only for those people, but for the people that they uh, work with, the people they live with, um, those relationships are all going to be coloured by the belief that you have about yourself and the world, because the relationship you have with yourself is colored by that. And every relationship we have is a reflection of the relationship we have with ourselves. Yes, I would agree 100%. And often I have told or, you know, pointed that out to clients and said, you know, look, you don't think you have the energy to do this for yourself, but you have children. And as soon as you start to improve your life, everything improves because your filter improves. And when your filter improves, the world looks better and you feel better and the people around you feel better. I don't know about your experience. We're going to go into a break now. But one of the things that strikes me is how often, particularly women, men to some extent, but particularly with women, that when they are looking at a pattern which is destructive and you talk about them changing it, they're less likely to do the work involved when it's just for them. But talk about how this is impacting on their children's lives and what legacy do they want for their children, living legacy from the words and the behaviours that they are um, uh, demonstrating. There's a shift. And I think it's really interesting how, how much more prepared they are to do it for their children than they are for themselves. The outcome may be the same, I don't know. But ultimately, I'm, if you're listening to this and you've got beliefs that are holding you back, then it's time to do something about it. Well, we're going to carry on this conversation after the break. Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Did you make the transfer to Hong Kong for the Emerson Project? I was just about to, but did you see the boss's email? It doesn't look right. It looked fine to me. I don't remember him mentioning the Emerson Project in our last week. The bank in Hong Kong closes in 15 minutes. Make the transfer. Yes, sir. Night's on the way. Mr. Jacobs, just transferred the money for the Emerson Project. What Emerson Project? Don't be that guy. Trust, but verify. What do you think you're doing, Kevin? I was just going to drive home. Ah, ah, ah. There are several warning signs present that you shouldn't be driving. Like hearing voices? Like your text to emoji ratio? 
Oh man, the selfies. <laughs> selfies nailed it. We all have warning signs that let us know that we're probably not okay to drive. Mine is pretending to be your subconscious. Craig, come on man, let's put a ride home. Welcome back. We're talking about beliefs and how these beliefs shape your life and the life of those around you and how they can be changed. So we've got a few minutes left. April, when you think back uh, to your life and you think how not only have you managed to change your own life, but how now you change the lives of many people working with them. We've got a, a, a big audience here. What are the pieces of advice that you'd like to give them? I think the first thing I would say is that if you want to change your life, you need to change your mind. And what I mean by that is you have to make different choices. People think that we make these grandiose choices and they change our lives and the directions of our lives. And that's actually not the truth. It's the little choices that you make day in and day out several times a day about what you're doing, whether it's eating uh, too much, like having that, you know, second plate of dessert or because you're trying to lose weight that goes against that. So it's about paying attention to and working out what it is you really want for your life, even if you don't believe you have can have it in the beginning. That's not important. Decide what the fantasy is that you would really want to have for your life and, and then compare your behavior to that. Can I get that goal by doing this thing? So if I'm trying to lose weight, I'm not going to do that by having two desserts, right? So you're going to make small changes. It's not one big step. But the beauty of it is, is that once you learn the process, it, it becomes so quick and, and you can change things very quickly. It starts to snowball really, really fast. And the other thing about it is if you can do it in one area of your life, it's yep. something you can transport into another area of your life very easily. The quality of your thinking is one of those things that I don't think people ever consider. And, you know, the yep. research, 95% of most people's thoughts is unconscious. It doesn't cross their conscious mind at all. And so because they have no awareness of it, it can do nothing. And so- Well, and it does everything at the same time because 95% of our behavior is dictated by internal beliefs we're not aware of. That's the crazy thing. So if you're not paying attention to the conscious ones, imagine what the subconscious ones are doing. And it just strikes me that there are so many people whose lives, what everybody's lives, would be hugely enhanced by looking at the beliefs that they have and making a decision. You talked about choices. I mean, everything we do is a choice and everything has every choice has consequences. I think what people forget is that not making an active choice is actually a choice, even if it's an unconscious one. And not about you, but in my experience, when you let things drift on, that's often when the the consequences are most far-reaching. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that that's where the, the multi-generational stuff starts to come in because, you know, interesting, I just found out recently that my mother has a belief that she's stupid. I had no idea. 
for years. I just found this out, but recently I found that out and I was like, huh, I wonder if that's where mine started. You know, so it's really because I was told I was just like my mother for years and yeah. and then to have my mother tell me she was stupid. So there's so much going on that we're not aware of that if we're not paying attention, it's just going to get worse because we tend to embed those bad, not bad, bad's the wrong word, embed those negative beliefs further when we continue to believe them then our life gets worse, not better. We're never standing still. We're either going backwards or forwards. Yeah. You know, there's so much that we could talk about, but we're almost at the end of the show. Where can people find you? Yeah, my website is aprilcorbett.com or aprilcorbettinc.com. It's the same website. Um, So you can find all that information on my website. I have lots of freebies. I also have April Corbett Inc. on YouTube if you just want to look at some content and see the things we're talking about. So you can find me on YouTube or on my webpage. Now, I'd like to thank you very much for listening. April, thank you very much for being on the show. I'd love to hear from you. My email is gina at genuinely... No, it's not. It's changed. It's Gina at Gina Gardner and Friends. And I would also be really grateful if you'd go to my YouTube channel, which is a Genuinely You with Gina Gardner and subscribe. And go and have a look on Linktree. You'll find all of the websites and all of the different uh, social media links. Uh, and do hook up with me and let me know you've come through the show. Thank you very much for listening. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that helps you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. To learn more about Gina Gardner, go to genuinely-u.com. If you would like to work with Gina or book her as a speaker, email her at gina at genuinely-u.com.